Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. Amen. Open your Bibles to Isaiah, the 59th chapter. We're going to spend a little time in Isaiah. And uh, the title of my message, and we're going to extend this, is going to be, uh, I'll finish this part this morning, and we're going to extend it and and talk about three specific things that we're going to focus on as we're, uh, in January, as we're coming into this year. Uh, He's given us beauty for ashes. Hallelujah. Can somebody thank the Lord for that? He's given us beauty for ashes, and we'll see what that means here in the book of Isaiah. Now, in Isaiah's day, and I just talked a little bit about this earlier, in Isaiah's day, the children of Israel, uh, God's people, had drifted so far from God uh, uh, by just simply allowing Allowing, and it, 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 comes, it comes over gradual, uh, over time. They begin to allow the seepage, I always think about sewage, the seepage of the cultures of the nations around them into their lives, specifically idolatry, uh, uh, um, sexual immorality, and greed. Amen. And, uh, and so God was addressing this because God wanted things to change. Can somebody shout Hallelujah. Can you imagine if God would just, uh, uh, just leave us alone? I mean, if he just simply left us alone and, and, and just, uh, you know, here we are going down the wrong direction and he, he, he never, got of our, never got our attention, we would never get back to him. And I'm so grateful for conviction. Amen? Because uh, conviction, praise God, can bring conversion in your life. I want to welcome everybody in line. I, always, I never think about the cameras here and people watching. And we're humbled by the fact that you are uh, watching and grateful that you take the time to do so. So, so verse 3, he kind of describes, verse 1, he describes a little bit. I don't know. I'm not going to read it all because I don't have time. But in the 59th chapter, he begins by saying, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, this is, he's addressing Israel, uh, your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear you. Amen. God never separates himself from us. We separate ourselves from him. And we do so by the choices that we make in life. He goes on, I'll just drop down. It says, uh, uh, verse 7, their feet run to evil. They make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. They're wasting a destruction in their paths. The way of peace, they know not know. There's no judgment in their goings. They have made their, they, they, they have made them crooked paths. And, and whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. He goes on, verse 12, our transgressions have multiplied before thee. Our sins testify against us for our transgressions are with us. And, uh, and as for our iniquities, we know them. I mean, things were just a mess. And they acknowledged it. The prophet acknowledges that this is the problem. You've strayed away, and uh, this is why you're dealing with what you're dealing with. And then in chapter 5, this is how, how bad it got. In chapter 5, it says this, what sorrow, the prophet speaking, what sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. So everything was upside down. Now the truth was the lie, and the lie was the truth. I mean, isn't that somehow deceived we can become? But again, it didn't happen overnight. It was a process of time. Verse 23 says, they take bribes to let the wicked go free and they punish the innocent. 
And I thought about that. That sounds like Washington, D.C. It sounds like the governing powers of America today, that they, they take bribes, let the wicked go free, and they punish the innocent. I, I thought the word D.C. might now stand for demonically controlled. <laughs> but, that, but that's where they live. But listen, that should not affect the church as far as its commitment to Christ. Can I have an amen? But it is what it is. But God didn't leave it there. Because he's merciful and he's a God of compassion, hallelujah, he honored his word regarding the messianic prophecies that he spoke, which I, uh, Isaiah confirmed. And we could, again, there's tons of them, but this is one. Unto us a child is born. We just celebrated his birth. Christ's birth unto us, a son is given, the government or the governing power shall be upon his shoulder. In fact, Christ's kingdom will be governed by righteousness, peace, and joy, and faith, hope, and love. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and, and he, wants that, he wants that governing powers uh, in us today as Christians as we journey through this world. Back to Isaiah 59. So now God gives us an answer of hope. So as, the, as a result of the Messiah's intervention, they, sh they shall reverently fear the name of the Lord, watch this, from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. That means from the east to the west, God's going to touch the world with hope. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, and put him to flight, for he will come like a rushing string, which the breath of the Lord drives. The Passion Bible says, uh, oh no, the New Living uh, Translation says, the Redeemer will come to Jerusalem to buy back those in Israel who have turned from their sins. Did you catch that? It wouldn't be for everybody, but those who recognized that their condition was severe spiritually and they, they needed to get back to God. See, and again, whatever, whatever. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has, you know, what, about life, about uh, things that we face, you know. But I, I believe that COVID was a test for the church more than anything. Because after, we have friends not far from here, that after COVID, half of their congregation never returned to church. Now, you would think because COVID was such a crisis and people were dying, you would think we would turn, there were multitudes to return to church. Uh, I mean, uh, beside, the uh, beside the church, but that wasn't the case. And so it just goes to show you how quickly we can move away from God. How quickly we can just slide away from the truth of his word and begin to live like the world. And, and um, so Israel was in that, in that uh, condition, but God promised the Redeemer. And verse 21, and this is my covenant, God says, my spirit will not leave them and neither will these words I've given you. They will be on your lips and on the lips of your children's children forever. Uh, I, the Lord, have spoken it. Hallelujah. So 2,730 years later, the Holy Spirit is still leading those who allow him to lead them and speaking through those who allow him to speak. Hallelujah. He's still speaking the redeeming message of God's love. Hallelujah. Chapter 60. God continues to give his people hope. He doesn't leave them. Arise, verse 1. From the depression and the prostration in which circumstances have kept you, rise to a new life. Everybody say, rise to a new life. Amen. Hallelujah. Shine, be radiant with the glory of the Lord, for your light has come. Isn't that something? God declared things before they even happened. The, the light has come. The light has come. What did he even mean? He says, I'm speaking life here. The light has come. Now believe in it, embrace it, and walk in it. Praise God. Amen. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And he's specifically speaking of Jesus there. 
For then, then he stops. It's almost like he stops for a moment and says, oh yeah, by the way, he gives this wonderful good news. Arise, shine, for the light has come. The glory of the Lord shall has risen upon thee. And he stops and he goes, oh, by the way, behold, darkness shall cover the earth. And, and dense darkness, all peoples, means all nations. But the Lord shall rise upon you, O Jerusalem, and his glory shall be seen on you, and nations shall come. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your glory. Hallelujah. See, that's what I believe. And I've told people many times through the years, if God was to rely just on us to save the world, the world would not be saved. He's got to have a plan that's greater than us. And his plan is prophecy. He said, all nations shall come to the rising of thy light. Hallelujah. He said that. Guess what? If he said it, it's going to come to pass. Praise God. No, not that we should negate our responsibility of being a light to the world. But I'm telling you, man, the Lord said to me this morning as we were in prayer. He said, Jesus is not coming back uh, for a church of sorrow. He's coming back for a church of power. Amen. And so he's got a plan. And all we need to do is yield to his plan. Can I have an amen? Say this out loud. Lord, I yield to your plan. Now you say it like you mean it. <laughs> amen. That's all he's looking for. Amen. Is a yielded vessel. So how is this going to be accomplished? Chapter 61, he says it. He tells us. He just, it's so beautifully, it flows so beautiful from hopelessness to hope. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek. That word meek means depressed in mind. And to the poor and afflicted, he has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives. Come on, shout hallelujah. Man, this is good. God doesn't want us bound. He wants us free. And, and the opening of the prison of the end of the eyes to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of his favor, and the day of vengeance of our God. And the vengeance isn't against people. The vengeance is against the kingdom of darkness. So then, of course, we know, maybe some don't know, this was the exact prophecy that Jesus prophesied and fulfilled when he entered his ministry. And here's what it says, and this is the Passion Translation in Luke 4. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to be hope for the poor, healing for the brokenhearted, and new eyes for the blind, and to preach to his prisoners, you are set free. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, man. Huh. I think I get more response out of this piano. You are set free. <laughs> I wish this accord would hit right there. Just freak everybody out. Amen. Has anybody in here ever met someone that's bound by alcoholism, addiction, oppression, suicide? They need to know that Jesus will not can, Jesus will set them free. They need to know. They, don't, they won't know it unless you tell them. Amen. He goes on and says, you are set free. I have come to share the message of Jubilee for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. And everybody, every Jew know what, knew what Jubilee meant. Because every 50 years throughout the Old Testament, every 50 years, every debt that Israel had was forgiven. If their land had been taken away because of hardship, it was given back to them. 
The monies they lost in investments was given back to them. Come on, everybody. Is that awesome? So they knew that Jubilee was, it impacted every part of their lives. Restoration in every area of their lives. That's what the word Jubilee means. That's what Jesus came to give us. Jubilee. Hallelujah. Freedom in every area of our lives. Praise God. Uh, uh, Chapter 61, verse 1. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because God has anointed me, for what purpose? Verse 2, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. In that translations, others say, in exchange of or instead of. He's given us beauty instead of or in exchange of beauty for ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of or for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Hallelujah. That he might be glorified through the multitudes that would be changed by his message in the future. Amen. Just think, Isaiah prophesied this 730 years before it was fulfilled. You think about the grace of God and the patience of God. That the world was a mess, the Israel was a mess, and yet God still kept his word. Man, am I grateful for that. So grateful for that. So Isaiah was prophetically referencing, now listen, oh, this is so good. Here in Isaiah 61, the Holy Spirit was specifically referencing the New Testament church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how do we know that? Listen to this. Because the spiritual assignment that he recorded in verse 4, which we'll read in a moment, in the very next verse, could not have been fulfilled without a spiritual awakening that followed the death and resurrection of Jesus. And here's verse uh, uh, 4, which we will share on in the coming weeks. And they, or those who are filled with God's uh, beauty, God's joy, and, and God's praises, they shall rebuild the ancient ruins, they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall renew ruined cities, the, devastation, the devastations of many generations. So we will cover specifically all three of these and to let us know what God has called us to do in 2024. Amen. It's to rebuild. Amen. It's to rebuild. It's to raise up. Hallelujah. And it's to renew. Can I have an Amen. So number one, God's appointed unto them uh, uh, those that mourn in Zion to give them beauty instead of ashes. We'll just talk about this for a moment. What are ashes? They're simply the remains of something that was once precious or valuable in in their lives uh, at that time and in our lives, and uh, uh, especially uh, relationally. Uh, uh, as we study Israel's journey throughout the Old Testament, when they followed after God, they literally were filled with, with beauty, joy, and praise. But more often than not, as we said earlier, slowly but surely, the sins of the other nations would creep on the inside of them, le- listen, leaving them vulnerable and exposed so that the enemy would, would come in like a flood and destroy everything that was good in their lives and take them captive. And when I read, wrote that down, it reminded me of John 10.10. The thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. Now, we know, and again, I always want to be biblically accurate. When we quote that scripture there, it's not specifically talking about the devil. It's specifically talking about a false shepherd. 
That's what it's talking about there. But ultimately, I'm just simply saying that. If you read that, that's what it's talking about. Because a lot of times, we'll just simply take something that somebody says, but not really check it out for ourselves. Can I have an amen? And, uh, but that's what it is. But the devil is. He's ultimately the thief. He comes to steal your peace, your joy. Amen? He comes to steal your praises uh, that uh, belong to God. So they came in like a flood and stripped them of every good thing that God had blessed them with. The good news is God didn't leave them there. I said, God didn't leave them there. Amen. Number two, God not only gives his people uh, beauty for ashes, he promises them the oil of joy for mourning. Now, that mourning there is, is, it really means to lament. It means you're going through something so hard that you're weeping uncontrollably, and, and, and you can hardly bear the pressure of what's coming against you. And the Bible promises us the oil of joy for mourning. Well, if that's the case, obviously, if there's oil of joy for mourning, something's coming after the morning. And I'm grateful for that. Thank you, Lord. In the Bible, oil always represents the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, always. Okay? Um, there's a scripture, and I, I, I just caught it as I was coming out here, and, and I gave it to Crystal to put up here, Psalms 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren and sisters. It means the church to dwell together in unity. Well, how, how pleasant is it? Continue. Uh, it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. Okay? Uh, and just let me say something about that. Uh, Aaron was the high priest of Israel. If, if Israel were going to get any benefits from God, they got those benefits through the high priest who, who was the representation uh, for them to God. Are, are you with me? Amen. So, so they respected uh, the, the high priest. Why? Because that is who they went through to get their prayers answered, to get forgiveness for their lives. Amen. And so he says, now there's oil. And, 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 and um, we're talking about, um, what I'm going to say, traditionally, not, uh, that's not the word. Uh, uh, doctrinally, they would pour oil upon his head and it would flow down him. And that oil represented the presence and the working of God's spirit, not only in his life, but then it would fall down to the skirts, meaning it would touch everybody that had anything to do with the high priest. <laughs> not good? And that oil anointing would, would, would bring favor and would bring healing, would bring restoration, would bring breakthrough, amen, would bring deliverance, uh, forgiveness, praise God, whatever Israel needed, it came through that anointing. Can I have an amen? And see, we need that today. We need individually, we need a greater measure of God's anointing uh, manifesting in our lives, amen. It isn't just anointing for the spectacular, the supernatural, it's the anointing so God's presence can be seen in our lives. The anointing of his peace, the anointing of his humility, the anointing of subservience, the anointing of faith, come on, the anointing of joy. That's what God wants uh, to manifest in our lives. Amen. It goes, what else is, what else is, is uh, uh, precious regarding the anointing, the unity? He says, uh, it's as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. I mean, Israel knew that they could never survive. Yeah, I mean, who was it? Uh, Tom, uh, Tom uh, who went to Israel in, um, uh, uh, back in the 1800s, whatever, uh, Somebody help me, Tom. Anyway, Tommy went to Israel. 
And he said, what a forsaken place. I would never go there. I mean, I'd never live there. Such a forsaken piece of curse. And yet God gave it to, it is, but God gave it to Israel. And, and they turned it into a, an unbelievable, flourishing, rich, and blessed, fertile ground. Hey, man. I said, hey, man. It didn't come without great labor. It's almost like your life. I mean, the presence of God just ain't there, you know, easy. You, boy, you got to be a disciplined believer to, to, to allow God's presence to flow through you. Can I have an amen? amen. Praise the Lord. So, they were, my point is, they depended on that water that came off the mountain of Mount Hermon. It was that fresh water that flowed into the, into the, um, the river, uh, Jordan River, uh, and that they absolutely relied on for their food. Amen. That's how important unity is. Now, in Exodus, now Exodus 1, uh, the Bible says the children of Israel mourned. If you read the first, second, third chapters, I mean, they were mourning. Why? Because they were living under the cruelty of Pharaoh, uh, uh, plural, Pharaohs. There was more than one. There were many, even though it only records a couple. There were many Pharaohs. Why, why do I know? Because they were in, held captive under Egyptian slavery for 430 years. But in Exodus 1, they were crying under this unbelievable slave, um, uh, the slavery that they, they not only starved, they were beaten to death. Uh, they worked long hours. I mean, such cruel cruelty. And the Bible says they cried uh, uh, with mourning, uh, lamenting, wailing. And as they wailed and lament, they didn't know who to call on to. They didn't know God of Moses. They didn't know him. Because after 430 years, they had just simply embraced all the idolatry of Egypt. So they didn't have a clue who God was, but God had a clue who they were. Hallelujah. God is so good. So he, Pharaoh was a type of Satan. Uh, uh, Egypt was a type of the world. But God heard their cry and sent them a deliverer, uh, Moses, who, is, of course, is a type of Christ. Why? To deliver them uh, from every stronghold of the devil. And we know that God did just that. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So God, because of his love, gave them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Amen. And for Israel, and I think about us today, the last day of the year, I think it's special to be on Sunday. Uh, and, uh, and we begin Monday and a brand new year. And for Israel, and it, it really says that, this is the beginning. It says that in Exodus 12, that when God came to them uh, through Moses and, and they were to take a lamb for their houses and sacrifice that lamb, put that blood upon the doorposts so that when the death angel came, uh, their, their lives would be uh, protected. And um, the Bible says that this was the beginning the beginning of a new year for Israel. So that was their new year. How many want to wake up knowing tomorrow morning God is blessing your life and it's a new year, amen, with new faith and new expectation, amen. That's what God wants for us, hallelujah. On the other hand, the Lord said this to me, I wrote it down, to reach their divine destiny, faith on their part was required. They had to live by faith. Why? Because they didn't know the difficulty of the journey from the moment they stepped out of Egypt to the moment they headed towards God's divine destiny. So faith on their part was required. And um, we know that uh, uh, the first generation failed in that part, but the second generation didn't. They did make it into the promised land. I want my kids and my grandkids to make it into the promised lands. Can I, can I have an amen? 
when Jesus died on the cross, the disciples' futures, as far as they knew, were gone. I mean, it, that was it. They watched in horror. The scripture says in Isaiah, the 54th chapter, that Jesus was beaten so bad, no, 52nd chapter, is beaten so bad that they couldn't recognize him as a person. That's how much hate Satan had. And he wanted to make sure, as he killed all the prophets through the Old Testament, that he was going to get this prophet. And I mean, it was going to be a proven thing that not only, I mean, he just put every hatred, anger that was in Satan, he laid on Jesus. And this is what the disciples were observing that day. So as far as they were, as far as they knew, when he took his last breath and they buried his body, you know, the Bible says, they, not, the, not the women, but the men ran in fear and hid themselves believing that their lives were going to be next. So their hopes of being liberated from Roman rule were gone. Their hopes of ruling and reigning with Christ were gone. All their hopes and dreams of a future freedom were dashed, leaving them nothing, with nothing more than the memorial ashes of what they believed would be theirs. You know, a lot of times we stand up here in, as ministers, and you know, I have my opinion on all sorts of things about life, but... Um, we stand up here and we give you all these words of hope. How, I mean, you wouldn't want me to come up and stand up here. You know, I just want you to know 24 is going to be uh, a year you deplore. <laughs> Say it the Lord. <laughs> you wouldn't want that. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want, you, you want to be encouraged. You, your faith wants to be challenged. You want to be filled with hope. Can I have an amen? So we have a responsibility to do that. On the, other, on the other hand, sometimes preachers, they paint such a fluffy, they paint such a fluffy thing about life that was, for some reason we believe we're supposed to have heaven on earth. The disciples never had heaven on earth. They never got heaven till they left earth. My point is we got to be prepared for whatever comes in the future. Can I have an amen? Not to be, not to be pessimistic, but be prepared. Amen. And, uh, and, and no matter what, if you're prepared, it doesn't matter what comes. Can I have an amen? Because we really do believe. We really, and I believe that's where we got in trouble. I'm serious. That's why I believe the church got in trouble four years ago. Because we believe the answer to life was found in the political realm. But it's not. The answer to life is found in him. For it's in him we live and move and have our being. Of course, don't, of course I'm just like you. I want godly people to run our country. Of course. But if they don't, we'll let God run this country. Can I have an amen? We'll let God uh, run our lives. Praise God. Amen. So with all the despair and all the, uh, the, the hopelessness that the disciples must have felt, especially for those three days, God didn't leave them there. Hallelujah. Amen. Just like he didn't leave Israel where they were, God didn't leave them here in this, in this uh, way mentally and spiritually. We can literally, listen to this, spend our lives mourning and lamenting over the setbacks and losses that we've all experienced, whether it's relational or otherwise, or we can rise up and get our focus back on God who still promises us the beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. Can I have an amen? And the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That is what we're to do. Psalms 30 says this. 
He, David penning this, uh, penned this. He says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. It means there's going to be a change. Amen. Whatever you're facing, trust God, change is coming. I said, trust God, change is coming. Amen. That's what you trust him with. Number three, uh, and I'm just doing so good. Pray, I mean, I said we're going to be here till three. We're actually going to get out a little earlier. So I'm extremely, <laughs> extremely uh, happy about that. Number three, God promised Israel the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And when I wrote that down, I, I thought about, and of course, you can use many scriptures, but I thought about 2 Samuel 5, Bathsheba, David's wife, gave birth to their new son that they had, um, that they had uh, uh, gotten um, uh, through, of course, David's moral compromise. We all know that, or maybe you don't know that. David was supposed to go out to war, but instead of leading his men to war, he stayed back. And I really believe it was premeditated. He stayed back because he knew uh, that Bathsheba would be up there that day bathing. And we know that she was vulnerable because uh, the condition she was in physically. And, uh, uh, and not only that, uh, uh, when a king orders something, you know, um, in those days uh, you obeyed. And of course, she um, uh, obeyed and ended up, you'll find scripture, God never blames uh, Bathsheba for any of this. It was all David. And uh, not only did he commit adultery against uh, uh, his, um, his uh, closest military uh, man, um, help me with his name. Yeah, Uriah. And uh, not only did that, he then he then planned uh, to have Uriah murdered on the front line. Horrific thing. David, a man, see, this is this thing. David, a man after God's heart. I mean, how could that happen? Well, everybody here today, because you're born again, I trust you have a heart after God. But boy, you got to keep yourself upright before him. Can I have an amen? I wrote this down. You've heard it before. The spirit of the Lord will never leave, leave you. The Spirit of the Lord will never lead you where the grace of God will not keep you. Do you hear that, guys? What does that mean? God will keep you, but you got to make the right choices. Amen? Again, yeah, you have to. So they had this child. They were excited, hallelujah, I'm sure, praising God for this beautiful child. But we know this little boy fell ill, and uh, David and Bathsheba's uh, uh, beauty was turned to ashes. The oil of joy was turned to mourning. The garment of praise was turned to a spirit of heaviness. And, um, and uh, in fact, just 2 Samuel 12, 15 says this, that God struck the child... Um, uh, uh, God struck the child so he died. God didn't strike the child. How do I know? Because verse 14 tells us that it was David's sin that caused this to happen. Do you remember when Satan attacks your life? When Satan attacks your life? When Satan attacks your life? Amen. You cannot be a very good parent if you don't, if you don't realize the value of that um, statement right there. Amen. Uh, so, so God didn't take the child. I, was, I wanted to share this. Uh, and um, uh, many, many years ago, and I, most of you heard it, some of you haven't. Why? Because in the funerals, we're always, especially young people, we always hear the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. The Lord must have had to have, you know, God called him to heaven, you know. God doesn't call anybody to heaven unless you're old and you take your last breath. 
And thank God he called us to heaven then. So one day, um, we just moved into this building, right? Sweetheart, we were in this building, I believe, at that time. Yeah, we were. I believe so. And um, uh, uh, the Catholic Church just sits right over here. We were in the other building yet? She remembers everything. And what date were we on when I kissed you twice? What date was that? <laughs> I, I remember the first one, but I don't remember the second one. Anyway, he, a precious family was coming here. Dad didn't come. And I, you know, when I think about it, I, you know, he just, he, he was born and raised in Catholicism. And it was such, and he just didn't understand this whole, you know, complexity of this thing with God that we were sharing. And so he had a real difficult time having his family come here. But his wife, and she had, I believe, three girls and a boy. And, um, uh, uh, and, of course, he was the youngest. And this little boy, just, I mean, he was so precious. Uh, he's five years old. Uh, at this time, this happened. Uh, loved Jesus with all his heart. And, um, and uh, just really outgoing, real sweet. Well, anyway, and they're obviously good parents. But um, he put his foot down. Dad put his foot down one day and says, um, our son is going to uh, uh, whatever they have for kids on Wednesday nights. And his, uh, and his wife agreed to that. And, uh, and um, so the first night, Wednesday night, first night, he took him. He jumped out of his daddy's pickup, ran around the back end, right into an oncoming car and, and killed him. Five years old. So she calls me, of course, and asks me to do the funeral. And uh, I said, well, I, I, I probably don't want to do that unless your husband agrees. No, he's already agreed. I said, okay, I'll do it for you. And um, so I'm driving down the road in my, my truck. And, um, and I said, God, what am I supposed to tell a family who's just lost their five-year-old son? What am I to tell them? And not expecting an answer back. He said to me again, one of those times I heard him speak audibly, but on the inside, he says, you tell them, I didn't take him, but I did receive him. And that brought such comfort to the family. It brought such comfort to the family, knowing that God is not the author of taking people. He's the author of keeping people, saving people. Can I have an amen? Not the author of the loss of any children that we have. Not the author. He's the, he, he, he's the giver of life. How could we even trust him if he was the taker of life? And I'm so grateful for that, that word of knowledge that came for that precious couple. And I think about, I get, you know, um, this is a thing that has been going on traditionally since this hospital called the Steed, or Stead or Steed Hospital in Iowa City, and it's built right up against the stadium, football stadium, and during the first quarter or whatever, they, they stop for a moment, and everybody waves at the precious little children that are, that are struggling and, and, you know, fighting for life as the parents are embracing these precious children whose no fault of their own end up having cancer. See, I don't have all the answers for life. Uh, we know that God is not the author of any, but, I, I, you know, but we just simply have to trust God no matter what, 
Can I have an amen? And here you have all these precious people, uh, these parents, uh, every day they're trusting God. They may not be trusting the God, maybe in the sense that maybe you know, but they're trusting that things are going to change for their child. And many of the children live, but uh, uh, some of the children die. And I think, God, you're so precious that even God will use anybody, even those precious doctors and nurses, to bring, uh, to bring beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Uh, and I really believe that. And, and so uh, I, I, I get, my point is, come on, thank God that you don't have to deal with some of the things other people deal with. Uh, some of the infirmities that deal. I, I, again, Lucy, she comes every week in, uh, in this wheelchair. I mean, just the, what it, the battle it takes just to get prepared and ready to go. And when we excuse ourselves, when we're healthy and we're strong, come on, and we have two legs to walk in. Can I have an amen? Uh, uh, or Isaac, he could blame God the rest of his life for the accident that took place in his life. But he doesn't blame God. Hallelujah. He loves God, serves God, and will serve the Lord till the day he gives his last breath. I'm just saying, yeah, let's give God a good shout of praise because, I, I mean, oh, God, forgive us for complaining about anything. Can I have an Amen. David said this. In fact, many, David, uh, he, he struggled a lot with adversity. And he said this in Psalms 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. And guess what? The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. <laughs> oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Come on, give him praise. Jesus came into our world to give us hope beyond the ashes. Listen to this. The sufferings of his crucifixion became the beauty of forgiving love, of forgiving grace. He was afflicted by death so that we could be beautified with his life. In the scriptures, we call that self-sacrifice, something required. Listen, we've talked about this for years. Uh, I, 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 I typed it out, but didn't I, I must have not put it in. There, um, it's a mess. It's something how how translators are changing the scriptures. The the original Amplified. I wish I had it with me. Um, uh, really talks about self sacrifice. When Jesus talked about take up your cross and follow him, it literally the Amplified just. He, he actually mentions self like four or five times in that verse. How self is really, self is the demon, uh, the greatest demon in our lives that hinders us uh, from becoming more godlike. Can I have an amen? It really is. And um, so self-sacrifice is required if you're going to have a successful marriage. If you're going to have children to follow God, self-sacrifice on the parent's part is required. It just is. It is whether we like it or not. Can I have an amen? amen. Through self-sacrifice, Jesus provided every sinner Beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. At Calvary, all the ugliness of the world, its greed, its pride, its lust, its hate, its cruelty and violence was poured into Christ. And then in turn, all the ugliness, uh, all of this ugliness, he turned into the beauty of forgiving love. Raise your hand if you're thankful that God forgives us. 
Forgiving love is what preserves the beauty of every relationship on this side of heaven. So, as we leave, my final, I have one more verse for you. But as we leave 2023 and enter 24, I just wanted to see, maybe there's someone in here that really are holding the ashes, the memorial ashes of something that was precious in your life and it's now gone. And, and it could be a relationship. It, it could be, um, you know, someone who's passed. Um, a relationship that uh, has been engulfed uh, by the flames of infidelity, dissent, or unforgiveness. Or maybe you've been given a bad health report. Or maybe you had a financial investment that you were sure was going to benefit you and bring you great gain, but just the absence happened, left you into, with the memorial ashes of debt. God isn't going to leave you there. I had a friend of mine, friends of ours, many, many years ago, it was, while we were in the other building, that means pre-1994. In March, this March, we have been in this building 30 years. Is that awesome? 30 years in this building. And um, so it was in the other building, and he, uh, <laughs> he owned a business, and uh, his wife came to church, and uh, they're raised in Catholicism, and, and she came to church, and she gave her heart to the Lord. She was really sweet. She was a precious woman. And, and uh, uh, she said one day when they first came, Pastor, I just want you to know something. I said, what? I've prayed to Mary many times and got my prayers answered. <laughs> what do you say to that? I mean, I wasn't going to say, no, you heathen. No, I mean, hey, it takes faith to get your prayers answered. Can I have an Amen. So anyway, see, sometimes we get so hung up. We get so hung up. Of course, we don't pray to her. But bless God, if somebody's heart is right, can I have an amen? God's going to answer their prayer. Oh, chief, I think I'll go upstairs, preach to the people upstairs. Hallelujah. <laughs> but anyway, I went over and prayed with him, and he hid back in his office. He didn't want to see me. So what did I do? I went back to his office. <laughs> Knocked on the door, and he opened the door. Long story short, got him gloriously saved, gloriously saved, him and his precious wife. They lived in a little tiny home. I don't think the home was over probably on the main floor. It was about 600, 800 square feet, a real tiny house. And um, they lived there for many, many, many years. All of a sudden, they ended up, we were excited for them in one way, but they ended up opening up a business. And uh, they saved up a quarter of a million dollars. That takes a while to save that up. And they were so excited to open this business. So they opened the business. And I don't think it lasted maybe a couple years, honey, not very long. And it went under. And you know what? He never got over that. It just crushed him on the inside. That he had lost everything that he had so worked so hard to gain. And of course, you know, if you don't understand the things of God, you don't, right? If you don't understand, you know, that God will restore everything to you. But that, that crushed his heart and he, and, and it, it, and he, he never recovered from it, never recovered from it. And so uh, I just got good news for you. I don't care if you lose everything. God's got, God, just like Job, God will restore back to you if you just keep your faith in him, kind of have an amen. But to this day, I love him with all my heart, but just have not seen him. So anyway, we got to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. If you agree with that, say amen.
Let's get the musicians up here. I got two verses while they're coming. Matthew 28, or Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. You can put that up there. Be so kind. Thank you, Crystal. Jesus speaking, he said, come unto me. The New Living says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you what? I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke, my yoke, upon you. He doesn't want you to be yoked with fear. You don't, right? He don't want you to be yoked with unbelief. He wants you to be yoked with him. Take your, my yoke upon you, Jesus said. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. So he's not the author of what the enemy brings into your life. And whatever you're carrying, he'll carry for you. He'll help you. But you got to trust in him. Often through the years, we've had our backs up against the wall in our lives. But God's always brought us through. Not without fighting the good fight of faith. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. So I wanted to leave 2023 with my burdens at the cross. Can I have an amen? Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 9.30, as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.